Mississippi Down through New Orleans Yes, I have I played in California There ain't too much I haven't seen What's up, everybody? Welcome to episode number four of White Tales and White Lines. We have talked white tales, and now we're going to talk white lines. And with that being said, we have a very special guest today. He is a world champion bull rider. He's qualified for the National Finals Rodeo 14 times. He's won two gold medals at the Winter Olympics in the sport of bull riding. He was a rookie of the year and a four-time reserve world champion. I'm not going to say any names right now. Actually, I am because this is what we do. Ladies and gentlemen, we have Ted Noose in the house, and we are so excited. We're going to talk rodeo. We're going to talk positive thinking because he is probably the best of the best when it comes to positive thinking and just being a all-around good person. So, with that being said, let's get this show started. Morning, Ted. How are you? Man, I'm good. How are you doing? Pretty awesome. So, uh, tell tell everybody a little bit about yourself, if you don't mind. Well, uh, uh, you know, I, when I was five years old, my mom and dad bought me a pony and started riding that pony and rode bareback everywhere and didn't have a saddle just uh, wanted to be a cowboy, you know, ever since I was a little kid, and uh, learned balance at an early age, and uh, started roping, then I started riding some steers, and then I went to a bull riding school I, by the time I was 14, and, you know, I just fell in love with it. I was right. already in love with being a cowboy, then I fell in love with riding bulls, and uh, it just, it was just a great great journey yes sir so uh now where were you born at uh, i was born in french camp california so is that is that like central southern uh, it's, it's yeah it's more central northern right so now you know there's a lot of stereotypes about california but i know two pretty good blue riders that come out of california between you and gary lafue yeah, Gary LeFew, uh, Aaron Seamus. Yep. Aaron did real good. Uh, there's been some others that, that, you know, that rode real well. Right. So, now, I, I've kind of told the viewers, you know, uh, I see you have two boys, um, and they they are absolute awesome athletes, it seems like. Um, of course... I only get to follow them on Facebook and stuff like that, and I follow them through you. And uh, those boys, they seem like they have so much drive. It's it's amazing to watch. Um, talk talk a little bit about how you instill that in in your children. Well, you know they they have passion to to be a cowboy. They uh, they I, I got them ponies when they were really really young they started riding when they were four years old and uh you know they they just it kind of just uh fell into place uh we started going over to uh ty 
Murray's and on his ranch and riding and helped him gather cattle and help him brand. And, uh, you know, they just fell in love with the lifestyle. And I bought them a bunch of ponies to train and they've trained ponies. And, uh, this has been a blast. You know, they, the, the way it, way things all came, came about is, you know, they, they liked it. They wanted to do it. And then I just kept, you know, putting the carrot in front of the horse. Right. And, uh, I, I have, they, they listen to positive thinking stuff every single day. It had such an impact on my life. It's what helped. Uh, form my future uh, and help me help me whenever things were tough to get through those things you know being broke uh, just you know how you can not draw good and you can get bad attitude negative yep. and then you can get broke and have no money and you know it's you know life on the road is very tough it's not easy at all especially yes. if you're broke absolutely absolutely yeah. And a you lot know, of people just, think it's a lot of people think it's just oh those guys are having the time of their lives. Well, sometimes it's not that way. <laughs> yeah, it, it takes a it takes a while to get to the point to where you can ride well enough to make a living. And that's what I'm teaching White and Weston. I'm teaching them how to get through the tough times because anybody can have a good time and have a positive attitude when things are working out. Right. But when things fall apart, the wheels come off. That's when you gotta say, you know what? Do I really love this? Am I really going to put out the effort? It is a great day. I don't care how tough it is. I'm still going to make it. You know, you got to talk to yourself like that. Absolutely. And and that's what I'm teaching them right now so that they'll have a handle on it. You know, I don't care what they do in life. I already know they're going to be successful because they're not going to quit. Right. As long as they they love what they're doing. It's just, it it doesn't matter whether it's White or Weston or you or me. If we love what we're doing doing when times get tough we're not going to quit we're going to stay in there and we're going to make it absolutely so now you uh you you put on some bull riding schools and yes. uh and what's the what's the first thing you tell them young bull riders when they're first starting out or even any anybody just young kids in general well the, the young kids parents don't understand but this all has to be a lot of fun it can't be they can't get on stock that they don't need to be getting on they got to get on some stuff they can actually win and make the whistle on right that's 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 where the passion's going to come from is winning and making the whistle you got to you got to start you got to you know you got to start out with trainer wheels on right you know what i mean you got to get on the easy ones and you got to have a lot of fun and you got to learn the fundamentals while you're having fun right you got to get on stuff you got to learn how to get off you know that's one of the first things i taught Wyatt and weston was how to get off if, if a pony took off you know running across the pasture full blast and i said bail off they knew exactly what i was talking about right right you know what i mean yes sir. you, you got to be able to take care of yourself first and then you can you know you'll be able to keep going so you can really master the fundamentals and with all that you're gonna you're gonna master a lot of other things inside yourself while you're learning you know the fundamentals of riding bulls or or steers or whatever you're doing in life you got to start out with trainer wheels well see and it's funny because you know like um i i rode bulls when i was younger and uh and my parents, you know, they didn't, I said, I'm going to ride bulls. And, you know, every little kid, it seems like where I grew up at in small town, South Dakota, you know, that's all you wanted to do was rodeo. And, and, uh, when I was growing up, they were like, oh, you know, if, if you work your butt off and buy your first bull rope, you know, you can ride bulls. And I said, okay. And so I did, I washed dishes and, and the very first bull I ever got on, 
happened to be a pretty rank one um, at our local, you know, uh, South Dakota Rodeo Association um, rodeo. And I mean, I had no business getting on what I got on. You know, my parents had a sign for me to get on, and I got on uh, running up Bull of the Year, and that thing tore me up, you know. But I broke my arm, but I had never felt anything like that in my life, and I loved it, you know. Yes. See, I would never, I would never, I don't ever start anybody out like that. I don't care how good they ride and how much talent they got. They're, you're going to go through some steps to let me see exactly where you are. You know, uh, I see you, you see it and I see it. Guys can talk a pretty big talk, but they can't really walk the walk. Absolutely. And until I see it, then I know where to put you on. You're going to start out at a low level. I'm going to start you out below your your ability, and I'm going to raise you eventually over your ability. Right. It's going to be a real slow process. Yep. And, and you know, sometimes you look back at it, and, you know, me as an adult now, and now I just, I mean, I clown rodeos when I can, and and right now at my point of life where I'm at, it's, it's more focused on family and uh, work, um, and then... Because I told myself I can always go back and keep clowning because it's something I'm passionate about. and uh, But like the bull ride, you know, I, I tell myself every day, you know, I think I – you always kind of look back and go, you know, what could I have done different? And, and I think a lot of it comes down to the very beginning, you know, when I first started. Of oh, just yeah. I, getting you know, on the fundamentals is very important. Absolutely. But I'm, I'm super glad that uh, you got to call in today and – and uh, you know, so you won the world in 1985. Yes, uh huh. And and you sealed the deal with a 90 point ride on Ivy's number 189, correct? In round 10. Yes, uh huh. I had to ride that bull to win the world championship. That's awesome. I had to ride that bull. Uh, I I don't think it mattered whether Tough got rode or not. Tough Hedeman, uh, because I was one bull ahead of everybody, but I had to ride that bull to stay ahead in the average. Right. You know, to, to win the average and then place in the go round. And, you know, that go round, Lane Frost and I were the only two guys to make the whistle that day. That's crazy. And so, so you were riding bulls back when there was, there was a group of guys out there that were just absolute machines. Oh, it was, it, it, I would match the guys, uh, that I rode against, against any, any, any group, any air, anywhere, anytime, because they, they were some great, great bull riders. Right. When, when you start thinking about, you know, Tough and Jim and Lane and, and, you know, guys, Charlie Sampson, uh, you know, guys like Butch Kirby and Donnie Gay and Benny Flynn, them guys were all at the end of their career kind of when I started, but t- Tough and, Jim and Lane, they were right at, you know, they were, they were just a little bit behind me. Right. Coming, you know, they're a couple of years younger than I am. And, uh, you know, here they come with all this passion that, for riding bulls like, you know, I hadn't seen. Right. And it, it made it tough. You know, I was, I finished runner up four times. You know, almost every time it was one bull that cost me a, a world championship. And the first guy that I was runner up to was, 
was tough. The second guy was runner up to was Lane. The third guy was runner up to was Jim Sharp. And then again in 91 was tough. Well, those guys, they rode so good. It, it, you know, it was just a great competition. Those guys made me ride good. Absolutely. Yep. You know what I mean? They make you, when you, when you ride against that kind of competition, you're going to step your game, game up or you're going to kind of get left behind. Absolutely. So, like, in what, you you was runner-up to Lane in 87? Yeah, 80, I was 86, tough, 87, uh, Lane, 88, Jim, and then again in 91, I was runner-up to tough. And then in 94, when I retired, I'd won the PBR finals that year. Yeah, because that was, that was like the first, that was like the inaugural PBR finals, that, right? That, that was the first PBR finals we had at the MGM. That's awesome. That is absolutely awesome. So, have you now? If you go back to when you first started, um, you know, dealing with all the ups and downs. Because I mean, you rode bulls professionally for a long time, and and you know, you go through your ups and downs and the bumps and bruises. Um, talk about what what kept driving you forward and what made you better every day. Well, it just uh, I focused on my attitude. I learned, you know, about. Uh, about psycho cybernetics and I learned about the power of positive thinking with Norman Vincent Peale. You know, these guys I I studied it, you know, I, I said, Man, I got I gotta change my attitude if I'm gonna win, if I'm gonna be a winner. And as my as my ability to ride bulls you know, as I started achieving goals and I got better, then my attitude got better also. Right. And then, you know, I I just kept, I worked at it really hard and things kept getting easier and easier. And then, uh, you know, I, I rodeoed with some guys that really knew what they were doing. You know, I, I rodeoed with Jerry Beagley in 1980 when I was a rookie and I won rookie of the year, but I wouldn't have won it unless I had somebody like Jerry Beagley helping me he right. helped me you know I, I would have never got to the rodeos that I needed to get to and then I started rodeoing with Charlie Sampson in, in 1982 well I made NFR and Charlie won the world but that whole year I did all the entering I knew how to enter right and I learned that from Jerry Beagley you see what I'm saying yes sir so it, you, you got and that's why I, t- I tell guys all the time you've got to get around guys that are better than you that got a, got the right attitude and are going in the direction you want to go it makes it so you, you got a chance right absolutely absolutely I think uh, you know um, you and Charlie you guys are still pretty good buddies aren't you Oh yeah, we're, we've been lifetime buddies. Like uh, I got to hang out with Charlie when I was in Cody, Wyoming. He was up there judging and stuff, hanging out, and uh, he is probably one of the funniest guys ever. He's positive. He's happy all the time. He's always got a smile yeah. on his face. That's exactly right. <laughs> and it's almost it's almost contagious, you know. And I guess that's where, like you're saying, you know, when it comes oh. back to it, you get around oh, people like that, and you just you just feed off of them, you know. That's 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 just how it is. That's how it works. And that's awesome. Um, so now, talk about let's let's kind of jump off here, and we'll talk about uh, like power of prayer and your faith, and um, how much that's helped you through hard times, and 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 even and how how you've been blessed, and what it's what it's helped you guys accomplish now. Because I see you guys are putting up a new. Uh, it, 
you guys are doing some big things there at the house, aren't you? Yeah, we're building a facility that, it, you know, it started out with a, you know, an idea to, to train wide and west end, but, you know, the Lord, it, it's all His plan, and we're going to have some uh, events there, and we're going to, we're going, I'm going to put on some clinics, and my wife, she loves to can and bake and stuff like that. She's going to put on some, some maybe some women retreats kind of there, and we got a lot of stuff, you know, that we want to, we want to do, and you, you know, when you have faith in the Lord, and you know that He's, He's with you. And he's gonna he's gonna help you, and you get that really ingrained in your heart and your mind. Then you know you have more confidence, you have more belief, you have more of what it takes to reach the top. You know that he's not gonna leave you or nor forsake you. And, you know he's always gonna be there. And that once you develop that relationship and you start to really trust him, and you go to him in the Word and you say, "Oh man, it's, I'm having a tough day." Uh, but I can do all things through Christ who gives me strength. I'm more than a conqueror. You know, that stuff starts to uh, come out in your life. Right. You know what I'm saying? Yes, all sir. of a sudden, you know, you're not sitting around thinking, oh, man, I hate this day. Uh, I don't like school. I don't, oh, man, my mom and dad are messed up. I don't even want to be around them. Mm-hmm. You know, that stuff goes out the door. Right. Because that's not that's not that's not how the Holy Spirit that's not how God works. Absolutely, you know, God says I love you, and He wants he, he wants us to be like Him. So we're supposed to love, and we're supposed to care for one another. We're supposed to think, you know, highly of other people more than we are ourselves. So whenever you start to to get that attitude, and you start to develop that, and uh, that relationship with the Lord, you know, it just it, it manifests. Absolutely, absolutely. I think, uh, you know, especially in today's society, you know, we know if you read the Bible, you know, you know that things are going to get worse before they get better. And, uh, I, but you know, there's still, I feel like if you keep your faith strong, it's just another day, you know? I don't, I don't, I, you know, I don't look for, okay. I, I, if it's good, it's good, and if it's not, it's still going to be good. Absolutely, that's how, that's how it is. Yep. If it's bad, it's still going to be good because yep. uh, you know I I have eternity. I have you know I'm going to spend the rest of my life in eternity with Christ, where He's already you know prepared a paradise for me, for you, for believers. And whenever you know, yeah. Life in life's not easy. It's never been easy. Is it going to get tougher? It could get. T- it could get really tough if you don't have a relationship with Jesus Christ. Absolutely, uh, it's already tough. Oh yeah. If you don't have a relationship with Jesus Christ, it's already tough. Your 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 future looks terrible if you don't have a relationship with Jesus Christ. Absolutely, and I think uh, you know a lot of people. You know, uh, a lot of people I know. You know, you see them struggling and. And then you get to talking to them a little bit, and then you realize that they just don't. It's like, how can I help you be more positive or make your life a little better, you know? And then, and then you really dig deep, and you get to talking to them. And then, I mean, it might be uh, take them to church on Sunday one time. That's all it takes. Or even just, there's been times, you know, we've been in a locker room or something, and just pray for someone, and it it just overwhelms them, and they get. This feeling that they've never felt, and it could change their whole entire life around. Oh, it's a, it's, that's how the Spirit of God works. That's how, 
You know, that's, he's, he's almighty, he's all power, he's all love. And whenever uh, a person that's never seen that sees that in you, you know, they say, wow, there really is a God and he really does love me. You know, that that's that's life changing. Yes, sir. And I know, uh, you know, it's kind of funny. Uh, I waited to get baptized until I was a little older until I I wanted to make sure that I fully understood what it meant, you know, and and understood it. And uh, I actually got baptized during some bullfights um, in Louisiana in Baton Rouge at a hotel bathtub. And Chuck Swisher, uh, bullfighter, is actually the one who baptized me. And. And that was the coolest thing ever. It was kind of off the wall, you know, but it it means the world to me, you know, that I got to share it with people that care about me and, and you know, help me become a better person. And well, it, it, Yeah, there's no set formula. You know, it's like whenever the Holy Spirit moves, you just be obedient. Right. You know, and when you're obedient, it's all It's perfect. Absolutely. So let's get back to some bull riding here. Um, the boys, how are? What do you see there? What do you see happening for them in twenty twenty one? Well, we're gonna we're gonna work on some things. We're gonna work on our roping a whole lot this year. We got some horses that need to be broke. We got a, we got some horses that you know are probably gonna make them really good horses for the next five to ten years and we're gonna work on those we're gonna work on a roping we're gonna uh we're gonna still you know work on our our riding our riding our bull riding mm-hmm. and we're also gonna work on uh bronc riding i gotta find them a couple of broncs that are just really nice yep just for them to practice on and uh that's what we're gonna work on this next year you know that's what we're gonna work on it I mean, see why it uh, why it'll be uh, fifteen uh, in February and Weston will be uh, thirteen mm-hmm. in January here, and uh, we're just really gonna master the fundamentals of you know what it takes to ride a rank bull. You know we're not we're, that's what we're gonna do, and so that by the time you know by the time they're sixteen. I, I, I kind of got it laid out in my head. You know, they're going to be they're going to be real strong by the time they're sixteen, and by the time they're eighteen, they'll they'll be ready. Absolutely, they'll be ready to win. Absolutely, anywhere. And you know, it's it's so awesome. You know, like I said, I follow you guys on on Facebook, of course, and uh, um, watching those two boys. You know, they got so much dedication. They're always on a bucking machine, or they're always in the gym working out, or they're always on a horse. Um, you know, I think that is it's it's so awesome to watch because you don't see drive like that in kids nowadays hardly ever, you know. I mean, everybody's so caught up in video games and and it's it's almost I, I disheartening. Think that, I think that ruins your mind. Absolutely. You know, it weakens your mind. When you're doing challenging things all the time, then it's really good for your your mind and your soul because you, you believe, you know, you believe I can do this. Right. When you're constantly challenging yourself and you and that's how you get better. Absolutely. I know my wife and I, you know, one of our one of our rules in the house is, you know, none of our kids, you're not allowed to say I can't. Mm-hmm. That's something that we just don't let happen. You know, we tell them all the time, hey, we don't want to hear that. You know, let's think about how we can do this. Let's figure it out. Let's give our mind a, let's give our mind a battle here and let's go winning. Let's Absolutely. figure out how we're going to win today. Yeah, is it going to be easy? No. 
it's not going to be easy, but we can win if we work at it. Absolutely. Absolutely. Um, so I'm going to kind of let you go on and talk about um, some of the some of the tools and where people can find find the tools as far as positive thinking and um, stuff like that. Oh, you can get on YouTube and you can put in Norman Vincent Peale, The Power of Positive Thinking, or Psycho-Cybernetics. That's where I get all my stuff. I I also listen to Charles Stanley. You know, I listen to him a lot. I like like his preaching. Uh, He's got a really good deal out about the the power of the tongue. It's really, really good. And it's, you know, how we can cut people down so quick with our mouth. You know, if we can just learn to build people up and not cut them down you know that 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 that's going to go a long ways in our life and it's going to go a long ways in our thought process because once you change your thinking of not saying those kind of things and but saying positive things that that you know that's a that's going to help you a whole lot in your lifetime absolutely so, uh, we've been working on that a lot here in the news family because we need it you know we need to talk positive we don't need to and see white and west and they're so competitive against each other mm-hmm. it's like everything's a competition then one of them you know the one that loses he doesn't he, he, he doesn't like to lose and he's ready to cut you down so I'm not you know we're just gonna have to work on that and perfect it right absolutely I know I got two boys as well um, I got an 11 year old and a 9 year old and they are super competitive and and uh, you know like you're saying I, I mean when they when one loses, the first thing that wants to come out of their mouth is, "Hey, well, you, you know," and I'm like, "No, no, no, we can't do that," you know. Yeah, they when they got to learn the principles of it, though. You know, it's like it, it's so easy and so natural, you know, to say something negative whenever you lose that you got to master that you know whenever i would get bucked off before i was a world champion i would jump up saying you are the champ you are the best you are the champ instead of walking behind a bucking shoot throwing my bells around and, and being mad mm-hmm. i was changing my mindset to you are the best you are the best you are the best i was just grinding it into my mind and making myself believe it even when i didn't see it right and that's what faith is all about, is believing when you don't see it. Absolutely. So whenever you train yourself to think like that, and that's how I've been training Wyatt and Weston since they're big enough to walk, that that's how that's how they work. That's how it works. Yep. And it's going to work for them. I know it is. Absolutely. And it doesn't matter whether it's rodeo or it's business. That's how it, it's going to work. Yep. So And God, God blesses that. God blesses that kind of faith. I I agree with you. That's and it's it's a very powerful thing. You know, as soon as Oh, it's huge. It's so big and these most people don't even don't even realize it. You know, it's you know, God's given us everything we need if we just we we die because lack of knowledge. Right. You know, that's that's why we that's why we don't do well because we don't know and when you know you do better. Absolutely. So for 2021, did you guys set any kind of New Year's resolutions? I bet I, that power of the tongue is what we're working on. Yep. <laughs> <laughs> Control your tongue. Yep. Say the right thing. Do the right thing. That's what that's 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 going to be what we work on, and then of course the fundamentals and um, you know working out and just staying on course, doing the right thing, and 
and keeping things, you know, keep doing things right. And how about the Lord first? How about for uh, how about for you personally and you and your wife? Well, the same thing that they need to work on, we need to work on. It just makes us better. It makes us better teachers. You know, when we we can we can be a, a role model for them, and we do better, then they see us do better, and they're going to do better. That's, you know, how, that's how it works. When we do better, they do better. Yes, sir. You know, they see it. Uh, we got to be role models. We got to do the right thing. We got to treat each other right. And we got to love each other and build each other up because that, that's God's perfect will. Absolutely. Absolutely. So I see everybody, and, and I guarantee you everybody can, can do better. Oh, I, oh, absolutely. I 100% agree with you. I, uh, I see Weston. Was it Weston or Wyatt that went deer hunting here just last oh, week or something? Uh, both of them did. They they both shot a, a shot deers on the same day. That's awesome. It was, it was pretty cool. Weston got a little forked horn and Wyatt got a, a doe. Awesome. But, uh, it was it, it happened in the same day. And you know it's funny because a lot of people ask me, you know, why for me on this podcast when I come up with the name of it, they're like, why is it White Tails and White Lines? Well. If I'm not if I'm not at home when I'm home I'm usually deer hunting. I mean that's because uh-huh. we're in Missouri and uh, white-tailed deer hunting is pretty awesome. And then if I'm if I'm not home I'm working or rodeo on one or the other. And so the white lines that's where the white lines comes in. And my brother-in-law he he told me he said you know he said it's kind of funny he said the white lines he said you think about it he said if you're driving down the highway and there's two white lines on each side of the highway. And if you stay in those, you're good to go. So it's like, okay, well, that's that's a cool way to look at it. Yeah. So, and and you know, with this one being the first first one of 2021, I wanted to make dang sure we talked about positive thinking. And I told myself, I was like, I got to talk to Ted News. I was like, I got to get that guy on here. So that's good. If you could tell, if you could tell anybody anything right now on anybody struggling or dealing with a hard time. Um, what what would you what would be your advice? I would say get down on your knees and pray and ask God to give you strength to do the right thing and then start saying I can do all things through Christ who gives me strength. Philippians four thirteen. You know, I just that's that's been ingrained in me for a long time and you know, I have the faith of a mustard seed. You know, get in there and study the word and get let that word start to take control of your life and your thoughts. And just see what happens. And you know what? Write down some goals. Write down. I don't care, you know, if it's getting up at 7 o'clock in the morning or or 4 o'clock and go to work and and start exercising and try to, you know, eat healthier and, you know, sleep better. And it's just that's all going to it's all going to be part of the formula that takes you to the top. Right. And you got to You got to You got to think like that. You got to create this. This image in your mind of being positive and having the right things to say to yourself when it's not working out. Like what I did, jump up and I just get drilled off a bull. I jump up and tell myself, you are the best. You are the champ. And I wasn't the champ or the best, but that's what I wanted. I was giving my mind a target. Absolutely. Give your mind a target and it's going to it's gonna produce. We're, we're producers. That's how God created us. He created us in his image. So we are little creators. And so when we're creating, we're doing our best. That, that's, uh, 
That's super awesome. It almost kind of gave me chills a little bit because, you know, you think about it and you really dig deep and you think about it. Like uh, this year, you know, um, being on the road, it's easy to fall into bad habits. And one of those bad habits I started doing was drinking a lot of beer. Yep. And uh, and I come home from work and I'd worked like eight months out of this this last year. And when I come home, you know, it was the same habit every night, drink beer every night, you know. Well, then you don't realize how much that takes away from your family or or anything, you know, anything you're doing. It almost slows you down a little bit. And uh, I probably hadn't worked out one time in probably two years. And uh, New Year's Eve night, I slipped and bumped my head at a party that we were having. And I woke up the next morning and I said, enough, enough's enough. I'm not doing that no more. And... Uh, so there's been no more beer drinking, and we started working out a little harder. Um, my wife, of course, she's a, a fit queen. You know, she's always working out, and and she made me feel like a fat guy. You know, <laughs> she hurt my arms like I was so sore the next day. I said, oh, no. I said, this is terrible. I said, why did I let myself get this far out of shape, you know? So, but, nope, I think it's absolutely awesome what you do and what you're instilling in them boys and they got a heck of a crew to look up to because you guys hang out with ty murray and jim sharp and you know i think well it's just you know that i i want to keep them around the right people uh all the time so that they see you know they in, in their minds they they know what the best looks like absolutely i just keep that that before them so they can see it and understand it and and whenever I see somebody that's really doing good and I always ask them I think how hard does that guy work do you think Wyatt how hard does that guy work Weston you know especially them guys that can beat him you know how hard is he working for this how, yeah. how, how you know what's he doing at home you know how, how many times how many loops is he throwing how how many steers is he getting on how many calves is he roped you know because I'm and, and even like you know the best guys in the world I, I tell them I said how good do you think this is going to make uh, Chad Mayfield after this year's over him having such a tough finals you think he's going to be okay with that kind of finals or is he going to go home and work his butt off yeah. you know that's the kind of stuff that I I said look at look at uh, look at right or right look at the kind of finals he had last year and look what he did this year yep see it, 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 it didn't set good with him that he didn't have a good finals he went home and worked yep how many horses did he miss out this year right you know right. it's like it looked like he just turned it I said that's that's what champions do yep they don't they don't make excuses they just go work harder go home and let it light the fire you know yeah that's exactly right so and it, it does too because there's nothing worse than you know having a bad performance or or, oh, there's nothing better that to make you go home and and get on some or go home and rope a hunter. Yep. You know, that's you ask Joe Beaver or, or uh, Trevor Brazil. You know, Trevor's probably the workingest son of a gun I know. You know, his uh, work ethic. I think that's why he won 26 World Championships. Absolutely. Sure yep. Absolutely. And it, you know, it, a lot of people say, "Well, I'm just not. I, that's just not for me, or I'm not fit like that, or I'm not like that." But that's. That's almost back to that negative, that negative attitude, you know. Well, that's negative self-talk. You're already, you got your, you, you've already made your, you've already convinced yourself. Now it's not going to happen for sure. Absolutely. <laughs> that's how it works. Yep. 
So I know, uh, I don't know if you've ever checked it out, but, you know, there's a book out called The Secret. Um, I know about it. And, you know, they, know all about it. they just talk about, you know, feeding yourself with positive energy all the time. And, and it just opens everything up for, you know, and it's like, okay, so for me, in my mind, I took it two ways. I took it, okay, if you got a strong relationship with Christ and then, you know, you're feeding yourself with positivity all the time, then there's nothing else that's going to hurt you, you know. Well, there's uh, the other thing uh, to the secret is is being grateful. Whenever you're grateful for something, that that's the feeling of receiving something, right? You know, and like whenever you you're thankful when you're thanking God, you know, for Him and for His wisdom and and whatnot, uh, you're in that frame of mind of being grateful. And whenever you're in that frame of mind then you're positive. Everything's good. I mean, that you you feel like you're receiving. And when you feel like you're receiving, you start to receive. One of the things that I used to do, uh, Oral Roberts, when I was a little kid, my mom and dad didn't take me to church when I was a little kid. You know, they didn't, they, church just wasn't part of the deal. But I would get up early in the morning on Sunday and, and Oral Roberts would always say, something good is going to happen to you. Something good. And I just adopted that and started saying it to myself something good is going to happen it's just how the holy spirit worked you know he, he taught me that at an early age and i just picked that up and i just started then i started saying after i learned about positive it's a great day i expect something great to happen and i tell Wyatt and weston that all the time i said you got to expect great things to happen when you walk out that door you got to feel like a million dollars you know you got to think man I, what's going to happen today that's going to be so great i can't wait to find out right and that's the kind of mindset you know that that's got me you know to where i am today you know i you know i'm I'm not a broke cowboy i'm not i you know i'm not a world champion that has to have a job that's not me right you know i I was part of the 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 group that formed the pbr you know it's just and then I, i invest my money well you know i i invest in real estate i invest in stocks and bonds I've done really well with that stuff. Yep. I'm not a broke cowboy. I'm not one of those guys. See, and that's and and for me, even you know, uh, you know, we, I still, there's still nothing better than watching old bull riding tapes, and and you're always there. Lane's always there. Tuff's always there. Ty was there. Cody Lambert. You know, there's so many of them that you look up to, and and um, you know, when I was younger, when I first started riding, I was like, oh, this is those guys are the they're awesome you know and uh and then i've you know you see some guys that you know they're just they're they're beat up they're broken down they don't have much and so when you when you i my dad always told me he said if you surround yourself with positive people you will be be you will want to become more like them or, su- uh, guarantee you. or successful people as well, you know. And yeah, that's right. And he he always said, you know, you can go farther with a handshake and a smile will take you farther than any amount of money in your pocket. And and it was it was awesome to watch you guys. And you know, you even though I might not be riding bulls or, or rodeo on full full board, but watching you on Facebook and listening to some of the the things you say and. It's like, you know, I feed off of it, you know, for sure. So yeah, it, I mean, that's what I, you know, that's I, that's my, uh, if I can help somebody and uh, give them some guidelines, you know, that help me, 
then you know that's what that's what it's all about you know the bible says a kind word turns away wrath well i'm trying to speak kind words and i want to inspire people to be better people absolutely so before i let you go tell me your most memorable bull ride you've ever made oh i got a lot a lot of bull rides stuck in my head uh, you know it just you know i one time up there in canada i rode this bull uh, hill street and I, I won gold medals on him and uh the night before he uh buck lane frost off and knocked him out and then i had to ride him for my last bull to win the gold medals and uh it's in calgary and i you know that was a that was a very exciting moment to win the world championship on 189. That was, you know, I had, I had to stay on him. I had to ride this bull to win the world championship. And, you know, I never wavered. I, I'd already played it out so many times in my head that I felt like, you know, riding that bull and winning the championship was the only thing that was going to happen. Right. You know, that's, that's the kind of stuff that, uh, um, you know, really sticks out in my mind to, uh, you know, I'm just excited about that kind of stuff. And I, you know, I like to tell people about it. I like to tell White and Weston, you know, like we practice this stuff so much. We go over it in our head. Our head is like a, uh, we're, we're like building a movie about ourselves. And the more we, we see it, the more it's going to happen. Right. And you'll get to the point to where the belief takes over and you'll believe that's the only thing that can happen. Absolutely. Just like your relationship with Christ, you know, when I die, I know that, you know, immediately I'm going to, I'm going to be in his presence. So, you know, I'm looking forward to that, that day when that happens. And whenever you program your mind like that, you know, it's like you're just living the movie. You're living inside the movie that you've already, you've already designed. That's how you create your future. It kind of goes back to the secret. That's how you create your future, you create mm-hmm. your life. And uh, as far as bull rides, you know, I just... A bull. There was a bull called uh, 189 Supreme Velvet. Uh, this is before I, I really, I, I made the finals, but I rode him at the NFR in 1984, the year before I won the world. Mm-hmm. I finished fourth that year, but this bull was a ranked bull. He was an eliminator, and I had him in the eliminator pen, and he was a big, bad bull. Nobody wanted to draw him, and I rode him, and I won a go-round on him. I'll always remember that ride. Oh, yeah. It was a great ride. It was a real big, it was really, really good for my confidence. Right, absolutely. <clears throat> it's almost like the, the turning point where you go, oh, man, I got this. I can do this. That's right. That's exactly right. That's awesome. Well, I sure appreciate you taking the time out of your day to get on here and talk with me for a little bit. Um, I've absolutely enjoyed it, and I'm sure the viewers and listeners will, too. Um and like I said, if you guys are ever in Missouri and want to do some deer hunting, look me up and we'll get the boys on some big Missouri whitetails. Sounds great. They would love that. Absolutely. Well, you have a good day and uh, tell them boys, keep doing what they're doing. The whole world's watching. It's awesome. We like watching them grow. All right. Thanks. I appreciate it. Yes, sir. Have Thank a great you. day. You too. There you have it, guys. That was absolutely awesome. I love Ted Noose. He's an awesome, awesome, very inspirational guy. Um, you can watch him on Facebook. Um, check him out, Ted Noose. You can follow him on Facebook. He is 
an absolute machine when it comes to positive thinking and just just being an all-around good guy. And uh, I really, really appreciate him taking the time out of his day and busy schedule to jump on here and talk bull riding and talk positive thinking. Next up, we have a legend. Another legend. I told myself this was going to be the episode of Legends, and I, I meant it. The next guy we're fixing to talk to, he is an eight-time world champion bull rider. He rode the one and only Oscars Velvet for the highest marked bull ride in the history of rodeo. He is eight-time world champion Donnie Gay. And as soon as he gets on here, we'll get started. But I'm super excited about this, and I'm glad I get to share it with everybody listening. So hold tight, and let's get this thing going again. country, ain't it? Well, it's um, unprecedented territory as far as I'm concerned. I, I just, uh, you know, I try not to buy into conspiracy theories and all that kind of stuff. And, you know, we're going to know uh, on the Democratic side who uh, the, the real players were or the Republican side of who some of the real players were. Absolutely. Um, you know, that, you know, there's just, you know, a lot of this, I, I don't like talking civil war and all that kind of stuff. That's just, you know, most, most revolutions are, are uh, well intended, but uh, usually it's just somebody else wants to take control and, and it's on a power trip. And, you know, it's just so, so scary. Uh, 
uh, I'm just going to try to handle my business, uh, you know, as, as best I can. And and if there's any, if there's ever been a time where we should trust in the Lord, not the storm, uh, you know, now's that time. Absolutely, so. absolutely. So, uh, so I'm I'm really thankful I got you on here because, and it's so weird for me because I I got the opportunity to uh, to see you and Cody a couple years ago when I was traveling with Rump, and uh, it was it was crazy to me because as a kid growing up, you know, you always watch the legends, and and you are by far the legend, eight time world champion. Um, and so, and then on top of it, for me doing a podcast now, um, I was like, oh, I'm going to interview Donnie Gay, but how the heck am I supposed to interview Donnie Gay when he's usually the one interviewing everybody else? Cause you're such an animated <laughs> character, you know? Um, so hopefully we don't, I don't slaughter this deal, but, uh, so I want to talk about, I want to talk about bull riding for one, of course. Um, and, and talk about. First, let's talk about New Year's resolutions. Do you have any for this year? Um, no. No. <laughs> How about I've it? always, uh, you know, felt like some of that was just superficial, right? Uh, and momentarily, I've had them like everybody else. I, you know, wanted to lose, you know, five pounds and you know, blah blah blah. But uh, you. Specifically, um, good things, you know, when when you when they're totally ingrained, you can't just make something up and then make it happen. Uh, our culture is uh, so far removed from dedication uh, when they can just click the button, you know, click here. Mm-hmm. Um, and and uh, I think that's you know really bad. Absolutely. Absolutely. I think, uh, you know, and actually Ted and I were kind of talking about that earlier. Um, you know, we were talking about kids growing up nowadays. And, you know, he's got two boys that are, are pretty well in tune with themselves and, and reality, you know. And uh, there's so many kids nowadays that just focus on video games and nonsense. They don't even know what's real anymore. Uh, not to, to interrupt, but, uh, you know, first off, I'm, I'm so glad that, that my child is 35. Absolutely. <laughs> and and uh, so uh, uh, through Facebook, I've been watching Ted raise his two boys, um, you know, and we, we speak on the phone occasionally. And, you know, everybody's getting along with their lives, but I'm, I'm uh, you know, knowing Ted, uh, uh, when he cracked out and, and started trying to rodeo um, all the way through his world championship and the, the, you know and his time with the PBR, you know he he showed me that, that uh, you know you can have uh, you know a, a totally different personality than I had, right? Um, and and still be as successful as you want to be. Right. And not that we get that that doesn't being successful as you want to be doesn't mean how much stuff you get. Right. And and, and there's there's the there is the 
the probably number one issue as far as trying to stay in the uh, bull riding realm. It, it's it's not exactly what you win, uh, how much you win. Um, it's it's how satisfied you are with the effort you put out just on the the bulls that you have drawn for the money. Absolutely. Um, I, I, I never thought too much about practicing after I got my permit. Mm-hmm. Uh, of course, I was 16 at the time, but I wanted to fill my permit, and I did that. It took me uh, almost a year um, to, to fill my permit, and I did it in the bareback riding school with bull riding. Right. Um, but, and then I got my, my pro card. And here again, I'm, you know, just not quite 17 years old. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and, uh, I have the only impediment to, uh, rodeo and making a living, which was my goal, uh, my, which was, it wasn't really my goal, it was just me. Right. Um, and, uh, you know, I mean, I was a cowboy, a rodeo cowboy, uh, I know how to rope, ride, build fence, bale hay, clean the barn, that sort of stuff. Mm-hmm. I'm a cowboy, but specifically, I'm a rodeo cowboy. That's a guy that makes a living totally by what he can win in the arena. Absolutely. And, and, uh, I, I probably haven't had, uh, half a dozen sponsorships that actually gave me a check right um, in, in, in my lifetime right and I've left I've left a lot of money on the ground because I didn't you know have an agent going out you know dunning people for money basically mm-hmm. I just never I never felt good about that right and, and so uh, you know and I always felt like if I was going to take a check from somebody I needed to do something specifically for them mm-hmm. and it and if I was doing something specifically for them, then I wasn't totally focused on what I was becoming. Right, <laughs> right. You know, and, and so uh, I, I didn't take that lightly. I mean, I quit a, a, a Miller Lite beer sponsorship, uh, which was the best one that I ever had. Uh, I was getting paid $75,000 a year in the 80s. Wow. To drink beer, to drink beer, and I was signing autographs, and a kid handed me back my uh, Miller Lite long neck, told me he was going to be just like me, and I thought, you know what, I'm, I'm sending a, a wrong message out, even if it's only for this one person. Right. And I quit the job. Uh, and the guy said, well, why don't you just play like you're drinking beer? And I said, I can't do that. Right. And, you know, and I'm still waiting on the milk commercial, but they never called. <laughs> <laughs> you know, but you know, somebody said, well, how did you do that? Turned down $75,000. And I said, it was not, it was not an issue. That was the thing to do. And, you know, it's not that, you know, I knew I'd made a mistake in my own mind. Mm-hmm. And so I, rectif- I rectified the mistake. Right. You know, we had butts, and I told them, I said, you did you know, it's like my split with the PBR. Mm-hmm. That it's going to cost me a lot of money, but it's not going to cost me any sleep. I know, for me, I'm doing right. Right. If I'm doing right, uh, you know, the, the list of things that I've got to atone for when I die, 
and meet Jesus uh, is going to be shorter than uh, than it could have been. <laughs> right, right. So let's let's talk family. It's your you and your wife. Forty four years. Your anniversary today. That's probably the uh, a bigger accomplishment than uh, than the eight world titles. <laughs> You well, know, but you know, because we got married in January of 1977, and I had already won the world. Of course, I thought I was king at the time, mm-hmm. <laughs> and, and and I thought if I was, you know, if I was I was in love, and I felt like Terry was the one I was going to spend the rest of my days with. Um, I thought I was, and 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 this is how focused I was. I thought if I can have but one distraction that's more important than rodeoing, uh, it would be her. And I thought I was good enough, uh, a good enough bull rider that, that uh, I could make that work. Right. And, and, and uh, not without its challenges, but... Uh, I did make it work, and, and of that I am extremely proud. Uh, does it make somebody that's gotten a divorce uh, any less worthy of whatever it is they accomplish in their lives? Mm-hmm. But but for me, that was just you know part of the you know you, you begin to pack on luggage uh, uh, in your backpack, climbing the mountain, and that's what I always thought about you know my rodeo journey was climbing the mountain yep, yep. Uh, and and it the pack gets heavier and, and it's kind of like our automobiles mm-hmm. <laughs> you know they they used to cost you know less than ten thousand dollars and uh, they were pretty darn serviceable uh, coast to coast border to border and all it took was gas and all that's and, it uh, clean spark plugs. Yep, that's and, it. You know, and and now they cost eighty five thousand dollars. And I'm thinking I, I wouldn't drive an eighty five thousand dollar truck out in the pasture. No, definitely not. <laughs> you know, unless I lost control. Right. <laughs> but, you know, this is the dumbest thing I've ever seen in my life. Yep. Yep. Absolutely. And and Tally Tally is thirty five. You said. Yeah. And she's uh, single and. So she's a school teacher. Mm-hmm. You know, she paid paid for college, played golf. Uh, they won the national championship, and she was uh, an important member of their team. Uh, won that title, and she put her clubs in the closet right after that, and uh, turned in her full scholarship and and uh, went started college here at Denton mm-hmm. um, and, and uh, in Texas and got her business degree got her master's and you know I told her that you know I'd pay for schooling and you know I'd pay as long as she was passing right but I, I also told her that I didn't think that um, you could go to school forever right right <laughs> yeah but uh, she got her master's degree and, and uh, she's a, a collegiate counselor at uh, Adamson High School in uh, Dallas School District um, and uh, the opportunities for for kids um, you know that she's helping she's doing a, a letter uh, for one of her top students uh, that's a soccer player um, and he the valedictorian at the high school 
uh, young man, he, he, and he just applied, you know, to the Naval Academy. Valley's doing an acceptance letter, and uh, you know, just you, you see, you know, there's a lot of there's a lot of ways. You don't have to win first at a rodeo uh, to get a to, to get a, a charge out of what you're doing, uh, as long as you know you're doing good. And, and uh, she's just doing good in a field that, uh, frankly, is probably way more important than the field that I was doing good. In. Right. Right. So now you do you do a little bit of everything. You got your pilot's license. I see you flying all over the country. How did how did that happen? Was it because of rodeoing? Yeah, because of the, you know my first airplane ride was with Jim Shoulders mm-hmm. going going deer hunting. You know, landing in a pasture down in South Texas on uh, John Williams Ranch, and that was the Rafter J um, uh, Ranch down below Eagle Pass. Um, and that's where tornado came from. Okay. So we were we were deer hunting. And, you know, the Jim was looking at bulls, and, and um, you know he flew an airplane. And, you know, gosh, and then and, and then um, Larry Mayhead came over to our house. And my brother and I were feeding out roping calves, and, and uh, had a pretty good horse, but he didn't work the rope very good. And Larry Mayhead flew into Dallas. My dad picked him up. And, he was going to go to a couple of rodeos in Mesquite and Jacksonville. And, you know, Larry Mayhem, he comes, he spends three days with us. And I didn't know it, but, you know, he's, he's watching us rope. And that horse wasn't working rope very good. He got an old bicycle inner tube, hooked it up. And, you know, it kind of snapped back. And, you know, it's a horse. When he'd get off, he'd have it, you know, tucked in his belt loop. Mm-hmm. And when he got off and shoot the horse, he got the horse working real good, and and he was flying a, a, a airplane with a, a Comanche 250, and his little single engine, 150 mile, 160 mile an hour airplane, and, and uh, it, you know he was the king of the cowboys at, at the time, you know, and, and uh, uh, so Jim Shoulders and Larry Mayhem, uh, king of the cowboys and flying airplanes. I wanted to do all of that. Right, right. <laughs> and, you know, so uh, when I got out of high school, I made the I made the finals and got a little lucky, but I, I, I won enough. To, uh, wound up like number seven or something, qualifying for the NFR, and I didn't get to start rodeoing until June and, and of '72. Right. Uh, other than the winter rodeos that I could go to, but I, my deal with my dad is I couldn't miss any school. Uh, or, or make less than a C in any six weeks, and I could rodeo. Right. And then, you know, so so basically, I didn't get to rodeo very much until uh, <laughs> till I graduated. But when I graduated, I went, I went to the graduation, got my diploma, uh, walked off the stage, handed it to him, and got him. Phil Lyon had left his car, a station wagon, at my dad's house. And, uh, I made a deal with him to borrow the car to go to a couple of rodeos and, and meet him at Fort Smith, Arkansas to rodeo mm-hmm. and, and, and get him his car back. So six of us got in that car, me and Monty Hampton and four other guys, Ned Edmonds. We got in that station wagon and we drove from Dallas. And we left there at 1130 at night, about before midnight. We drove uh, all night, most of the morning the next day to, to uh 
Dufoin, Illinois, uh, to their little county fair. And I won the saddle bronc riding and the bull riding uh, that afternoon in the rain. Uh, and won $422.10. Wow. So, for both events, I was the only one that got a check that was in the car. Six of us. I bought dinner. <laughs> called, my, called my dad on the phone, uh, a collect phone call uh, from the big black phone hanging on the wall. Mm-hmm. And uh, I told him I'd see him in Oklahoma City in December. And, and I did. Wow. So, made the finals. Uh, you know, mayhem still rode on. And, uh, that was an experience in itself. Um, that was worth all eight world titles, basically. <laughs> Making my first NFR, because I've been going to the NFRs, uh, and I've been to every year except for the years it was in Los Angeles, yep. those three years. And uh, uh, started out in 1973, and all of a sudden found myself in the lead. Uh, to the world title, and, and then in the top three, me, my brother Pete, Bobby Steiner, uh, you know, we were, we were rolling along, and I, you know, and I asked my brother, I said, why don't you, you know, I was getting on airlines going from Dallas, Texas, after riding in Mesquite to flying to airline into Los Angeles, California, and going to the radio in the afternoon at Costa Mesa, California, stuff like that. Mm-hmm. I said, why, why aren't you, you know, burning up the trail like that? And he said, I don't want to win a world championship. I just want to make a living, and I don't want to have to do any interviews. <laughs> <laughs> you know, so... I said, heck, I'll do that. And uh, uh, I rodeoed uh, all year long and uh, battling for the world title. Uh, but I got to Portland, Oregon, one of the final rodeos of the year. Um, and I was up the first performance and the last performance. And that rodeo was about two weeks long. Oh, wow. And, and uh, you know, so I was camped, you know, for a little over, I think it was about 12 days. And uh, I went to an airport in Aurora, Oregon. Got a flight instructor uh, there and took me out to the airplane. I told him I wanted to get my pilot's license. And and, uh, so he had me go to a doctor and get a medical, Mm -hmm. which is a a physical, and that's a student pilot's license. And uh, I got it. that first morning, and uh, so that afternoon, we're walking around his air, airplane. We wind up in it and got it started, and he was showing me the throttle and the mixture cutoff and all this, that, and the other. And I've been in, you know, quite a few airplanes, you know, just hitching rides with Mayhem in his airplane, and, and Doug Brown was flying, and Bobby Berger was flying, and, and you know, just uh, Danny Whiteley, the, the, my sheriff's buddy in, in Papa Bluff, Missouri, he was fine, <clears throat> you know, so we were sitting there, they said, let's taxi down and take off, and we took off, and did a, did a take off, and flew around the airport, did a landing, and I flew an hour a day <clears throat> for nine days in a row, and on that ninth hour, the ninth day, uh, we did a couple of touch and goes and, and he said now it's time to do them solo and he got out and said he said do three take off and landing I'm going to watch you of course there weren't any cell phones or videos All right. <laughs> at, the t- at the time and uh, 
I, I did my, you know, I swallowed pretty hard, but I did my, my three takeoff and landing solo and taxied up to the, to the ramp and hit that instructor was standing there, Joe Calvert, and, uh, he had hair down to his waist. He was hippie. <laughs> oh, <laughs> yeah. skinny thing. And, uh, uh, he pulled up and cut the tail of my shirt off and, and, uh, Packed up my solo on the wall there in Aurora, Oregon at that airport. And, uh, I was on my way. And I've got, uh, a little over 12,000 hours at the log books now. Probably got 14,000 hours of flight time. Wow. Which is a really long time to sit on your rear end. I've owned 26 airplanes over the years. I've made money with one of them. Um, and I'm now flying a jet for Jerry Nelson, and I never thought I'd fly a jet. Right. Uh, here I am. Yeah. I, but I still have my Larry Mayhan-esque uh, 1966 twin Cessna 310. Uh, that's my own personal airplane, and uh, we use some in the business because uh, it's, it's quite a lot uh, uh, more frugal than flying that jet. But, right. Uh, the, the jet's a whole nother I bet. It's a whole other day. I bet. So now, when you were rodeoing, you know, now when you, your era of bull riding, you know, there's a lot of, and, and you're the perfect one to talk to about this. You know, kids nowadays, they walk around saying, well, the bulls weren't as ranked back then and those guys couldn't do it. I believe that is 100% false. Um, what just shows it just shows the ignorance and, and it's not ignorance because they're because they're stupid. It's because they don't you, you don't know what you don't know. Right. Absolutely. <laughs> so so that's uh, something that, that I'll stick to. The bulls were a lot harder to ride uh, in my day than they are today. They seem like you know you watch the old videos and the bulls back then seemed like they were they were kind of dirty. You know they, they were just were all. You know, the, the, not all, the majority of the girls were big, awful, dirty, and, and they're, they're what, they're what people send to the packing house. Right. Days. Right. And, you know, the, the bulls that are bucking today are the ones that, that we had to draw when we really had to win. Right. And they're the ones that took one or two jumps out, turned back, and, and spun, you know, kicked and spun, and, and, you know, you had fast winners just like today. Right. But back then, there were two of those or three of those in, in a, a contractor's bull herd. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and usually, uh, the Ned Gumps of the world would be the ones that drew those bulls. And so we had to suffer through riding bulls that, you know, make one round lunge out of the belly roll and, you know, roll, turn back the other way, or the bullfighters turning them back for you because they're fighting bulls and, you know, they're, they're going to kill you if you, if you don't get off and get away. <laughs> right. And, uh, you know, and, and so uh, you suffered through. Uh, and uh, it's uh, always my case in point. Mm-hmm. Uh, you can watch a bull riding today in any performance, and and when the one that makes two rounds and looks like he's going up pretty good makes two good rounds and boy, that just scoops out of it and belly rolls and rolls somebody into their hand, 
they buck them off and they get up and they go, well, that's a piece of crap. Piece of crap. And I'm going, if that bull's a piece of crap and he bucks you off, what does that make you? Yeah, yeah, exactly. No, no, nobody thinks about that. Right. They right. go, oh, well, he wasn't part of that. So, but all that really is is an excuse for not riding dirt good. Absolutely. And, and I think so, I think um, listening to you, uh, the bulls are the bulls are so much better today, right? Uh, if if uh, me and Danny Flynn and Randy Majors, Kenny Wilcox and Motors Gottman, uh, Mayhem, if if we had a pool of bulls to to draw at like today's bulls, every one of them or ninety five percent of them. Are, one jump one way or the other mm-hmm. um, we would have been filthy rich absolutely as, as, in, in, in whatever era right um, it, you know it, it, those are the the bulls that we just didn't we didn't get to get on them enough right uh, the close the closest thing was the NFR and you can watch NFR films uh, from the 70s and 80s and, you know they'll be the you know, still the majority of them uh, big lumbering, snatching, no count, son of a gun, but nobody could drive them. Right. They were, they, they bucked that hard. Um, but then you look at the scores, uh, when, you know, uh, I wrote 45 and Lennox and set the scoring record in 1972, my first year out of high school. Yep. Uh, you know, uh, he kicked over his head, the gates to the left, and, you know, just, Really, jam up dandy. That's all there is in today's world. Right. Uh, 94 points on Tiger. One jump around to the left and, you know, red one. You know, 95 points, one jump around to the left. You know, those were the kind of bulls that, you know, I mean, to, to win that year on red one, I had to either draw him or Generalissimo. Mm-hmm. Uh, to to know that I could score in the nineties uh, to to win first place, you know, and there's bulls like Oscar in the draw, and and Randy Majors couldn't win any more than third, and Randy draws Oscar. Right. Well, you know, you put the best guys on the best bulls. Well, uh, I had a little bit better bull than, than Randy Majors. I won first and was ninety five, and Randy won third. Right. And you know, but. That would have that would have occurred uh, on a daily basis if the bull herds were like they were are now, mm-hmm. because there, there are no uh, I call them canners, you know, the, which was a, uh, one that you know wasn't going to stay in it, and, you know, give you a chance to show how good you could ride, right? Um, and and uh, and now there are no canners. I'm thinking, you know, wow. <laughs> uh, <laughs> So, and and that's what's so disgusting to me about you know all these shootouts and, and things of that nature. Um, when you when you start doing all that and you start letting ground money count for points, mm-hmm. uh, all, all you do is put luck of the draw back up on the table more than it should have been because there's always going to be luck of the draw. Right. It doesn't matter if, if every bull is red one. Right. You know, one of them is going to be a little smoother than the, than the next one, or that bull's bucking style is going to fit your style better or worse than it will 
your competitors. Absolutely. You know, that, and, and, and so you're, you're never going to get rid of it all. And all the calves in the calf open are pretty even, you know, as far as, you know, running, how they lay and all this, that, and the other. But there's going to be one that's a little bit better, smoother, you, you know, you're going to take the fall a little bit quicker, you know, so that's about as close as you can get it for the individual competitor competition. Other than that, it's, it's not, you know, the difference in rodeo versus football or baseball or anything like that, um, or golf, that there is, uh, no competitor competition. It's, you're competing against your bull. Right. You know, that, that, that the bull is different than the ball. Absolutely. Talk about your talk about your mindset. Like you know, um, your mindset. I still I still see it every you know every time you watch you on TV or listen to you. You know, I, I feel like you still have the same mindset you did back when you were winning world championships, um, and you, I think you carry it on with you in your everyday life. Um, talk about the mindset and how you how you took every day to be as good as you are. I felt like that. that Every day that I could get on a bull, that there was money up, I was, I was doing two things. One is I was sharpening the blade. Right. Uh, in other words, uh, you know, if there's three brand new knives at, uh, on the counter, uh, and they're all exactly the same, the competitors, mm-hmm. <laughs> um, the one that's the sharpest, is the one that gets the strap the most. Right. And to me, you know, there's no way to argue that I'm that I'm not right. And and being right is uh, in, in my mind is so important. Mm-hmm. And, 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 it, and it doesn't matter what somebody else. There's always uh, a, a yeah, but. They, you gotta understand that there's always a yapping. Mm-hmm. And that is, and, and everybody's going, yeah, but, and I'm going, yeah, but is not a word. Right. <laughs> I, I refuse, I refuse to accept it. Right. And, and so, I believe that, that just like I believe in Jesus Christ. Absolutely. And so, and so, if I have, that mindset of I'm not weakening, there is no excuse, um, I can do this, and I don't care how many people are standing there going, yeah, but I can do this, and I show them I can do this. Absolutely, yep. <laughs> and and when I'm doing television, I have the same mindset. When I look at, at the guy, when you step over the bucking shoes, which is where I started my my shoot procedure and my mental routine. Mm-hmm. When I when I see them step over the shoe, I'm visualizing me stepping over the shoe, taking my seat. Right. Uh, and 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 I get into that, and and that's why I get those, sometimes maybe a little bit overboard, <laughs> <laughs> uh, excited. But but when I see somebody that that gets it. And I see them step over in the shoot. I'm right there with them. Right. I, <laughs> you know, 
I think and, that's and, what's so and awesome I, and about I, it. And I love watching it. And it doesn't make any difference if it's Sage Kenzie or if it's Kenton Fugate mm-hmm. or if it's, you know, Bingham or any of the guys. Yep. You know, it, it's important to me, you know, we'll visit and we'll be friends and, and you know, and I'm pulling for them because I know that what they're doing, they, you know, they, they have the same goals as, as I have as far as I'm going to be a bull rider. Right. But when I see them get it and I know they know it and I know that occasionally they feel it, they have to get the strap a little more and a little more and a little more um, to, to be able to get that feeling more than just occasionally. And, and, and that is what's, in my mind, wrong with bull riding. Um, you know, there shouldn't be limits and there shouldn't be, uh, uh, the, the, I don't mind qualifications as long as you have a year, a year's notice in your, your memberships to be able to make the qualification. Right. You know, cause that's just another goal, another step, you know, and I don't mind rule changes. They might find something better. Who knows? Um, and and it's and what's better? Uh, that's why push girls the prettiest. It just depends on who's looking at the time. Absolutely, you know. And, and so, um, you know, that gets back to you know draws you back into politics. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, our 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 way of making a living riding bulls is just like our our government yep. um, and, and and politics. You know, you have to be able to work within all of these different systems, um, but it would be so much easier if all of the systems worked together and, and uh, the communication skill is no better today without even with the technology than, than it was 50 years ago. Right. Uh, there, there's, still, there's still so much misinformation, it's not even fun. Mm-hmm. I agree with you. So, the NFR, you got to go back to the NFR this year. Talk about the NFR. How was it being in Texas? You know, uh, it didn't matter to me if it was in Texas, uh, Las Vegas, Los Angeles, or Bum F, Egypt. It mm-hmm. doesn't matter. If the NFR uh, is at home wherever it takes place. Right. That, that's that was that that's my mindset. Right. Uh, I loved it being in Texas. Uh, you know, just because it's where it started. Mm-hmm. Um, but I also love Las Vegas um, because I went from Oklahoma City. Uh, you know, being king out there and the first place in the Golands paid forty five hundred dollars in Oklahoma City. Uh, the first year we went to Las Vegas and the only time the grandstands were full was the, the first weekend and the last weekend. Right. Um, uh, which was only four performances out of the ten. Mm-hmm. Uh, six, you couldn't start a good fight in the grandstands. <laughs> um, but the go-rounds paid $8,500 for first place. Right. You know, and the first time I went to the NFR, the go-rounds paid $429 for first place. Wow. Yeah, people, people, that doesn't compute to most people, but, uh, you know, a lot of people worked awful hard for not a whole lot of money. Mm-hmm. Um, but the pure fact is, 
is nobody was really working for the money. And that's the difference in today's society. It's gotten pretty decadent. I mean, you know, the, you know there's some awful nice clothes out there, but I don't see who's looking at the clothes or looking at tips. Right. You know, uh, you know that's just, it's just absurd to me um, that they don't allow a person to... Uh, be able to judge something on its own merit. They mm-hmm. gotta, they gotta dress it up uh, with with a bunch of uh, stuff that's really not important and really not going to last. It's, right. Uh, let's let's judge it by what it is. Absolutely, <laughs> absolutely. So um, let's see. You when you when you made the change to announcing. Um, like you, you do a lot for Jerry Nelson and Frontier, and uh, I mean, how how did you get started in that with those guys? I met Jerry uh, when he was uh, the best bull man in the PBR. Um, he had the best set of bulls uh, by far. They never let him win stock contractor of the year. Uh, because Jerry Nelson doesn't fit anybody's mold. He is his own man. He's the most interesting guy I've ever known. Right. Um, and this was in 1992. Um, and, uh, you know, he was just dabbling with bulls. And he lo- he's a guy who loves rodeo. I mean, he's worked for Johnny Apple when he got started. You know, I mean, he untying calves and uh, driving the truck. You know, feeding livestock and he's selling all fields, uh, valves. He's working his tail off and the rodeo was his outlet, uh, uh, out of an office, uh, or, or out of a sales meeting. Um, and, you know, uh, that's how he got into the business and, uh, he hired me to do a couple of promotions, uh, you know, with Tuff and Cody and, you know, we, go sign on grass at, at events. He would put his own money up and produce an event. And, uh, we did uh, three rodeo bull ridings uh, at Providence Road Island and uh, New Hampshire and uh, Portland, Maine uh, one day to the next. I mean, it was like going from state to state, but it's not like living here in Texas, you know. Right. We went through three states, and heck, I wouldn't have been on the other side of Fort Worth. Exactly. <laughs> no. <laughs> Excuse me. So, um, we just begun to work that way, and, and, uh, and then when he decided to buy, uh, you know, a PRCA card, uh, I was, uh, you know, I had my own rodeo company in, in the 90s, and uh, um, I sold my rodeo company once I realized that, you know, if I turned over the truck that had uh, my truckload of, of uh, 30 head of horses, uh, that no matter how much money you had, I wouldn't be able to recover. Right. And, and so in essence, I knew that I couldn't afford, um, you know, to continue to do that. And I was doing television and some of those, <coughs> excuse me, uh, some of those, uh, sponsorships like with the Melodair and uh, I was making money myself but the rodeo company it, it paid for itself and I said I'll let to, to get to the point Jerry asked me if, uh, about going to work for him and said can you make the rodeo company make money right and I said well I don't know <laughs> I, I said I, I believe I can make the rodeo I, I know for a fact 
and that, because I'd done it with mine. Right. I said, the rodeo company will sustain itself and make enough money to uh, improve the quality of your livestock, you know, uh, with ten to $20,000 a year on a new bucking horse or bull. You know, the breeding thing hadn't really reached any kind of uh, potential highs. A lot of horse breeding, but, uh, you know, that takes a lot of money and and a lot of land as well. Absolutely. Um, I said uh, my rodeo company uh, was as good as it gets on a small scale. Mm -hmm. Um, It paid for itself. I'd send more and more to the NFR every year. Everybody that works for the rodeo company um, had a good job. Uh, I said, but Jerry, I never took any money out of my rodeo company because there wasn't any left over. Right. And he said, well, I want to do this. He said, so that's how I got my position as general manager of Frontier Rodeo. Absolutely. Uh, and Jerry had uh, had always had partners in the rodeo business. Um, I didn't think he needed one. You know, you only need a partner for two things. Uh, one is service or money. Right. And, and Jerry uh, is a workaholic. He didn't need anybody's, he didn't need anybody's service. Mm-hmm. And he didn't need any money. Right. Had a, uh, has a great business. Um, and he is the, the guy that, that, that makes that work. Mm-hmm. And so it was really kind of the, the best relationship. And uh, we, we started, uh, begun to take on, some, get some new jobs and one thing and another. And, and uh, you know, it's really kind of the rest of the kind of history. Um, uh, P. Stewart came into the fold, got hired. And we were doing a rodeo in Florida, and, and uh, he proved himself in the at the rodeo in, in Florida. Uh, and we knew he was going to be a good hand, but obviously didn't know how good. Well, um, he turns out. That he uh, was raised, uh, albeit the IRA instead of the RCA. Mm-hmm. Um, his dad's a world champion uh, bareback rider, and and was the president of the IRA. And so, so his upbringing was mirrored mine of the just different associations. Right, it's the same thing. Um, and so he knows about rodeo as much as I did and, and it's a, you know you got to remember my mindset I always thought I was the, the knew as much about the rodeo business and I'm talking about from cleaning up after the performance to it, tipping your hat uh, with your introduction after the grand entry right um, and and loading bulls flanking picking up you know from driving the truck the whole nine yards well, uh, he stood to do all of that as well as me or better, and uh, you know, which I you know recognized. And, and uh, uh, but his his knowledge of uh, breeding bucking horses specifically um, is absolutely un, 
unparalleled and unmatched. I mean, I've seen those, you know, and know a lot of people that have been breeding horses and been extremely successful. You've got the Ike Sankeys and the Charlie Thompsons of the world, Dale Clings and and the Indians on the reservations in, in Canada and, and North and South Dakota. They, you know, the, the, the quality of the bucking horses and the, the, the mix of the breeding um, they produced some of the most magnificent animals I've ever seen. Right, and you know, and and, and that's that is the the, the linchpin of of frontier rodeo. Um, the livestock that that uh, keeps coming. Well, you can't go buy those like we used to. Right. You know, when, when, and I don't care how much money you make, uh, when you used to could buy uh, something uh, on the order of a medicine woman uh, or gunfire, some of these bucking horses, uh, when you used to could buy some that maybe they weren't quite as good, but they would be $10,000. Mm-hmm. Now they don't print enough money to be able to buy one because nobody wants to sell them because they have another one and another one and another one. And now this cloning uh, thing seems to have uh, more than just a little merit. Um, You know, I I see the uh, it went from bucking horses decline in the 70s. as far as top quality horses, um, to we're not ever going to run out of bucking horses. Right. right. <laughs> I mean, it, it went from, uh, you know from from black to white, mm-hmm. or, or vice versa, whichever way you want to say it. Um, and and the, you know, so the the, the rodeo business uh, and not losing the quality of bucking horses, um, we all. The, the bull thing has been strong since uh, the early eighties. Mm-hmm. It begun to get it begun to get better, and at the uh, end of the nineties, you saw you know total transformation of you know not hardly any canners going to the event. Yep. Um, to, to now to where okay, so now what were we worried about is quality cowboys. Yep. Quality quality rodeo cowboys. Yep. Um, you know these guys want these. Uh, just a bull rider. Well, you, you can do that. It's been proven. But the ones that last the longest, that win the most, they're still rodeo cowboys and not going to 30 events a year. They're still going to 100. Right. Uh, I think they'd be better if if their average was closer to 125. And that's that strap and the nice analogy mm-hmm. that that I believe is absolutely correct. Um, you know, so if you don't want to be as good as you can be, just go to a hundred rodeos or thirty events. But you're not ever going to be as good as you can be. Right. Uh, that's that's why you know they said, well, they only play sixteen games in the NFL. Well, yeah, but uh, they they they're they're they got the pads on and practicing and running those same routes over and over and over again until so they don't have to think about it. Right. You know, <laughs> I defy you to to uh, uh, unless you're an NFL analyst watch a football game 
and see the blocking schemes and the defensive back coverage uh, and tell me that uh, you could run out there and do that after a couple of days practice right. or just practicing once a week. Absolutely. <laughs> yeah, because it kind of, yeah. at that point, it t- kind of turns into muscle memory where they just do it, you know, because they practice so much. If, if you have to think about doing a move, if you think about doing a move, you're beat. Yep. And that, whether it's a route in a football game or if it's a, a, a subtle move, scooting your butt over just a little in a reaction on a bull, yep. you're bucked off. Absolutely. And, and, and that's what's so good about the bulls. And that's why you hear me repeat myself a lot of times. When that gate opens, you know, it's everybody, oh, one jump at a time. And, all, well, that, and that's true. You have to react to that and get your rhythm right out of the gate, or most likely you're going to get bucked off. Right. It's no different than playing golf. You know, I didn't realize playing golf um, mentally was so much like riding bulls. Mm-hmm. Nobody else can hit. Nobody else can hit your golf ball. Your golf ball is inert. That makes it easier than bull riding. It's not going to hurt you unless you hit a tree and knock yourself out. All right. <laughs> I know that's a uh, you know the watching the NFR this year and watching the Blue Riding you know those guys they had a it was a tough NFR for the Blue Riders this year it seemed like you know uh, Roscoe Jarbo of course he's a buddy of mine and I love Roscoe I was super excited for him he made some hellacious good rides um, but it's when you talk about the mental game you know and. Those guys, you could tell when they'd kind of get down, and that's what was fun about listening to you is you can see it, you know, because you've been in their shoes. You know exactly what they're going through, and uh, I think it was, I I don't know, I don't know anybody that doesn't like listening to Donnie Gay at the NFR. So I have the advantage of, of uh, being able to be in the locker room um, and just watch you know, uh, listen uh, and, and and feel body language. You know, these guys, you know, you, you've been there, you, you, you're remembering one thing and another, but the, the, you know, the small talk conversations that are really just, you know, kind of reactions mm-hmm. because everybody's has his, is into his thoughts about what he has drawn. Um, the, the one thing that struck me, they didn't ride as many bulls um, overall as I thought that they should have. Right. Um, which 
there's that they didn't get to go to enough rodeos. Mm-hmm. The season the season was so fractured, right? Um, so hard to uh, the golfing alley. So hard to get your rhythm to to have your thoughts where they need to be. Uh, you know, not too fast, not too slow, uh, but to get that to get into that just right slot yep. that you want yourself to be in. Uh, this year's rodeo on was, was uh, maybe tougher than any year. Absolutely. Uh, I, I, didn't really, I don't remember the uh, closest thing to that that I remember uh, was 1973. Uh, one of the reasons that I really wanted to have an airplane. 1973, we had uh, Democrats in control, or politics again, um, and uh, gas was uh, three or four dollars a gallon. Uh, and remember, this is 1973, and the go rounds paid six hundred dollars for first that year. Right. The second year, I went to the NFR from four hundred and twenty-nine to six something. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, gas was over three dollars a gallon, and uh, you could only buy. Ten gallons uh, on, uh, depending on what the number was at the end of your license plate. If you were had a, a odd number, you could buy ten gallons of gas at a gas station uh, on Tuesday. Uh, and if it was an even number at the end of your license plate, you could buy ten gallons of gas on Wednesday. Wow! And and so we had, you know. The, the, we left some cars uh, parked in front of a gas pump um, many, many times. Uh, you know, back before they had automatic shutoffs from inside, mm-hmm. uh, we, we we broke some locks on some gas pumps. <laughs> you know, and, and, and got gas. Um, you know, and, and uh, we also carried garden hose in in the, in the car where you could, uh, you know, when somebody was asleep, you could siphon off his ten gallons. Gas. Yep, absolutely. <laughs> but but you know where there's a will, there's a way. Absolutely, that, that sort of thing. And, and uh, but this year, this uh, all this you know with the with the pandemic, uh, which you know the virus out there is real. Yep. Uh, Terry and I had COVID. Mm-hmm. Um, we just uh, uh, I'm over it, and she's just about over it. And you know, thankful for that. Uh, we've lost a lot of people, but the the. Just the absolute having to remember to put your mask on to get out to be next to somebody. That's a distraction. Mm-hmm. You know, remember the little things that I said at the beginning of our interview. Uh, you can't let anything be a distraction. You know, when a guy, if a guy gets a, a girlfriend and he's rodeoing, He's distracted. Absolutely. And, 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 you know, you have to deny yourself, uh, for wh- however your mental, uh, ground is. Mm-hmm. Uh, and, and, uh, you know, and then if you get married and you have a child right away, uh, when I got married in 1977, it was seven years before we had Tally. Right. Because I didn't need the, the burden of support, child raising, mm-hmm. uh, all of those distractions that come with becoming a parent right. uh, and having to actually make adult decisions. Mm-hmm. 
Well, that's a distraction. Right. And so, you know, so how good are you? Uh, how, how much do you really want to be? Absolutely. Well, I, I want it to be. Well, uh, when when uh, ta- the year Tally was born, that's 1984. That's uh, two years after I retired and thought I could never really ride competitively again because of my injuries. Mm-hmm. And, and and then I got to go ride uh, for the president where Charlie Sampson nearly got killed. Yep. Um, and I rode my bull there and tipped my hat to the president, stepped off my bull, and I thought, I can win this eighth world title. I actually can hold together because I felt great. Right. And so I told George Michael right then, I said, I'm going to go win uh, my eighth world championship. Uh, Assuming I stay together, uh, I'll have it. Right. And uh, Tally was born in October of 1984. So I had a plan. It's like Ted News talks to his kids. You're not going to back into anything successful. Now, you may get lucky and win the lottery sometime, but who's banking on that? Right. You know, if you're banking on that, then in my mind, you're stupid. Mm -hmm. That may be harsh, but that's just the way I think. Right. And and so um, I don't I don't dispense uh, information uh, unless I did right uh, or I'll tell you that this is just an opinion. This other stuff, gentlemen, that's fact. And yeah. I know some people will just throw up. But you know, when you know you're right, keep coming. You're absolutely hard to beat. Absolutely, it's just like suicide. Yep. So if you had any advice for anybody starting out, just any advice at all, what would your advice be for young kids starting out riding bulls or just people in general? Uh, Young kids really don't need to be riding bulls uh, until they're uh, 14, 15 years old uh, and and, and in a real controlled environment. Mm -hmm. Kids are are starting too early. Uh, Contractors are between a rock and a hard place of having stock that's uh, uh, suitable for 14, 15 year olds. Uh, but then when they ride them all, well then some parent that didn't win enough said, well if they hadn't brought such shitty stock uh, my son would have won. Well right. that's all a bunch of crap. Yep. You know that they're living through their kids vicariously and, and that's what I'm so proud of Ted for. Um, you know Jimmy Morris and you know nobody's immune to injury. Yep. Um, uh, but uh, here again, I'm trying to stay on point with your question. Um, you need to be riding steers. You need to be riding stuff that's not bucking you off. Right. Uh, you, you don't need any practice learning uh, to be bucked off. Right. Because you're going to be bucked off. Um, and I don't care who you are. Mm-hmm. And and so you you need to to finish the rides and you need you know it's just makes me want to throw up and a bull makes two rounds and then jumps out of it and spits the bit going to be a re ride and damn if they don't fall off for the whistle. Mm-hmm. If you can't ride those kind of bulls, then you have no business riding bull. Don't call yourself a bull rider because you know. Right. right. And, you know, don't lie to the guy looking back at you when you're brushing your teeth. Absolutely. And and and, and that's the only guy that any of this matters to. It's, it's one individual at a time. And so if you really want to be a bull rider, yeah, there's a way to be one. 
long road, a lot easier ways to make a living. <laughs> right. um, but uh, if you want to, you can. Absolutely. So that's that's number one. Number two, um, start surrounding yourself with winners. Yep. When you go to any bull riding practice jackpot, there's always somebody there that you surround. Mm-hmm. And you can get useful information, but you don't need their affirmation. That's not, it goes from being helpful to being hurtful. You got to figure all this out on your own. Right. And, you know, there's no instruction manual, but it's, generally speaking, if you stay around winners, if you really listen to winners, um, you're going to be putting tools in your tool chest uh, to build your masterpiece um, one at a time. And that's just what it takes. And and, and so um, riding sheep is, uh, has always been kind of silly to me. Right. Um, <laughs> You know, uh, riding calves. Uh, I, I, I nearly, I nearly changed my goal uh, to to being an electrician uh, <laughs> because I, I don't think I ever bucked off one of them Bremer calves that they didn't get at least one of the four feet on me somewhere. Right. Um, and that's when I realized your ride. Begins when you step over the chute until you step up on a fence, mm-hmm. and and I see that that's the that's the most uh, disgusting thing I see all the time. Guys getting hurt unnecessarily because they don't get off worth a damn. Um, uh, that 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 bothers me yep. uh, because that's ninety percent of that is uh, preventable. Uh, and so uh, you're always going to be haunted by the, the Brent Thurmans and the Glenn Keelys, um, you know, that get stepped on and killed. Yep. Um, so that's there. That's like uh, owning a motorcycle. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you, you don't expect to get killed, but you should certainly know that uh, you've, you've increased the risk. Absolutely. And so what do you do to mitigate the risk? Right. Well, uh, first thing is everybody does, and it's all lawyer and insurance uh, related mm-hmm. um, and, and well-meaning folks. First thing you do is uh, put on a helmet. Well, you know, if you, you, get, you T-bone somebody on a motorcycle through an intersection, um, the helmet's basically not going to help. Absolutely. You know, yep. <laughs> And it's the same way with bull riding. I think helmets and vests have, have hurt um, a person's chances of, of uh, not being injured. Uh, I, 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 the false sense of security uh, for the parents on young kids right. um, is is pathetic as far as I'm concerned. Yep. Uh, you know... <laughs> If you're going to ride bulls, you're going to get hurt. Yep. But the way you get hurt is bucking off 
and 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 or getting off and not knowing how to protect yourself and and not trying hard enough. Yep. That, that if you know if you just lay there and somebody's putting boots to you, and you know well. You're just going to be hurt. Yep. Ain't but nobody to blame. If you're rolling, crawling, scratching, the chances of him hitting you solid enough to break something uh, is reduced dramatically. Right. So, if you keep them from getting a foot on you, you don't need a vest or a helmet. Absolutely. Uh, you know, the, the helmet, if you get jerked down, if you're not good enough to put your hand down and, and keep from letting your face uh, bash one of the horns or the middle of his head, which is just as hard, mm-hmm. um, then you probably ought to have a shaving scar or go practice more. All right. Uh, and, 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 you know, uh, bull riding... <coughs> Really sets you apart when when you're when you're a professional bull rider. Uh, that's different from being a professional team roper. Mm-hmm. Your automatic thought is to you know one's so much easier. Well, that's because team roping is so much easier than bull riding. Right. <laughs> it just is. Yep. Saddle bronc riding is. Probably harder to learn and harder on you than, than bull riding uh, up until you learn how. Yep. And then once you learn how, it's easier. Then it's Here a rocking chair. <laughs> well, guess what? A bull rider is is uh, the baddest guy on the planet, the toughest guy on the planet. And if you don't believe it, let's go get on bulls and see how long one of, we, we last. Yep. Now, 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 there's competition. That's for sure. That's for sure. And and so that's that's a mental mindset. you got to believe that you're the baddest guy in the room and that nobody is going to really willingly take your place unless he's a real bull rider. Right. Absolutely. And, and then he's going to kick your ass if he can't. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yep. And, and, you know, uh, the, the difference between me and Ted News, I would tell you that and, and be a smart aleck mm-hmm. and, and make people throw up. Um, and Ted News has never said, uh, I, don't, I don't know that I've, other than one argument that he and I had uh, in a rodeo in Arizona one time, um, I don't think I ever heard him say a cross word. Right, right. <laughs> you know, so so he, you know, in some respects, he may have been a, a, a way better world champion to some people. Right. And I know that he was the kind of world champion that he wanted to be. Mm-hmm. And I know, and I know the struggle that it took for him to to get to be that. I I, I roped some steers at his house in Manteca, California, <clears throat> and. You know, they had nothing. I mean, it was, it was, uh, I just couldn't believe that that's where they had to rope. Right. But where, but where there's a will, there's a way. Absolutely. Absolutely. Well, I appreciate you taking time out of your busy schedule to come hang out and talk with us for a little bit. I, uh, I'm still drinking coffee. This is fine. <laughs> yeah, see, me too. We're, I've been, we're, we're talking rodeo. I love so, it. Uh, you could do it all day. <laughs> I, well, I, that's, that's, that is really um, all I uh, 
can talk about uh, with with any real substance, right? You know, between rodeo and flying airplanes. Yep, absolutely. So I, so I, I love it. You know, it's not an imposition at all. Good. Well, I I appreciate it. Like I said, and uh, happy anniversary. Make sure to tell Terry I said happy anniversary. I will. And uh, hopefully everybody heals up good from COVID. And uh, I don't know. We might have to do this again. Well, we can we can do that, and uh, all good with the COVID. Uh, Trump got the vaccine available, and I think that's going to help multitudes of, of the world. And and you know, no matter what anybody else says, and, and um, you know, the, the uh, COVID uh, advice that I give is uh, don't lay on your back and let your lungs fill up. Yeah. Lots of water and you know, vitamin C, D3, and zinc, and and uh, start early. Yep. Uh, if, if you're if you're worried about it, uh, go get confirmation. Uh, or if you're worried about it, start medication. Call your doctor. They'll give you some kind of an antibiotic, some dexamethadone, and uh, that works for me. I also have a bottle of ivermectin if it comes back. Awesome. <laughs> Awesome, awesome. Well, I appreciate it, and uh, we will holler at you later on. Okay, buddy. Thank you, sir. Have a great day. Yes, sir. You too. That was eight-time world champion Donnie Gay. That was awesome. I appreciate him. He's a heck of a good guy himself. Um, He's super animated and very fun to talk to. And uh, I, I really... I can get on the same level with Donnie Gay just for the simple fact that his attitude and and my attitude is a lot alike. And if you follow him on Facebook, you'll understand he is he's a he's a character and he speaks his mind and I appreciate and respect the hell out of that. And uh so thank you guys Facebook for hanging out with us and thanks everybody listening on the podcast and uh we will we'll we'll just keep this going we started 2021 off with a with a bang we got two legends for this episode and i'm i'm super thrilled about it we we even ran over a little on time but that you can't i could talk all day to those guys if i was sitting there drinking coffee with donnie and ted right now i think i'd probably still be sitting there and we'd still be talking rodeoing so um I'd like to give a shout-out to Donnie Gay and Ted Noose. Thank you guys for everything and taking time out of your schedules to hang out and talk talk rodeo and positive thinking and attitudes and things like that. So if anybody takes anything off of this interview or the two interviews that we did today, um, just remember you can only be as good as you think you are or as good as you want to be. So... Just work hard, surround yourself with positive people, and uh, that's it for us here at White Tails and White Lines. It's been awesome trying getting off of the white tail part and getting to the white line side. I've, I really enjoyed it, and uh, everybody on Facebook, we'll see you guys later, and everybody listening, have an awesome day, and we'll see you next time. The toughest ride he's ever had was in his foreign car. So don't call him a cowboy until you've seen him ride. Cause a Stetson hat and them fancy boots don't tell you what's inside, no. And if he ain't good in the saddle, Lord, you won't be satisfied. So don't call him a cowboy until you've seen him ride. He 
There's a Hollywood idea of the wild and woolly west In his French designer blue jeans And his custom tailored vest You're thinking he's the real thing But I think you ought to know He can't even make it through a one-night rodeo So don't call him a cowboy Until you've seen him ride Cause the steps and hat and them fancy boots Don't tell you what's inside, no And if he ain't good in the saddle, Lord You won't be satisfied So don't call him a cowboy Until you've seen him ride Don't call him a cowboy Until you've seen him ride Cause a Stetson hat and them fancy boots Don't tell you what's inside, no And if he ain't good in the saddle, Lord You won't be satisfied So don't call him a cowboy Until you've seen him ride Don't call him a cowboy Until you've seen him ride 